Alrighty guys, hello, welcome to episode number 44 of the Audio Podcast with the Auto Bros, Jason and Alex Von Cal. Thank you very much for joining us again. It's good for me to be back here doing two weeks in a row. Yeah, look, out. Look, at, look at me look go. Out. Now you might notice that we have changed uh, seats this time because I've been struggling with something over the last couple of weeks. So as you know, I've had some health uh, challenges over the last couple of weeks, nothing major, but I got an ear infection about three weeks ago mm-hmm. and... A result of the ear infection is once that passed, I actually have ended up getting some pretty bad vertigo. And so if anyone doesn't know what vertigo is, it's it's kind of like car sickness. So it's when certain things might trigger something that makes me feel really dizzy. Mm-hmm. And I have, I've been dealing with it for about three weeks on and off. It The majority of the time it's been on and it's been pretty annoying. Sure. Uh, last Friday, I just woke up in the morning and I was fine. That's why, like Saturday, I was completely fine when I came in here. And then Monday morning, woke up and I was back to square one again. And from all the re- like I've been to two doctors, uh, they've just kind of said that I've got, they just say you've got a loose crystal in your ear. And I'm like, what does that mean? But they don't really explain it. So I've done a lot of research and I believe I have a, an ailment called BPPV, mm-hmm. which is benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. So it's actually super interesting, which is sort of why I wanted to start off on it. But the way that it works is you've got three different uh, tubes in your ear canal. And those ear canals have fluid in them. And what that fluid does is when your head moves or your, your body position moves, the movement of that fluid tells your brain where your head's going. Yep. Now... The, the brain then takes those sensors and lines it up with the other sensory information that you're receiving. So usually from your eyes. So that's why when you, for example, look at something like your phone whilst you're in a car, oftentimes people can get car sickness because, yeah, because the, the sensors aren't lining up because sure. your inner ear knows that you're moving, but your eyes are sensing that you're not. So part of your ear canal has these little hairs on them which have little calcium crystals attached to the end of them and they're also sensors as well and what can happen is that when sometimes when you have some sort of trauma to your ear so either a head injury or in my case an ear infection it's pretty common after ear infections some of those crystals can actually break off and go into the the fluid in your ear canal so then what happens is the reason why it's called positional vertigo is because there's certain positions that you'll move to where as your the fluid in your ear settles, those crystals might move and therefore it's moving the fluid yeah. when your head's not actually moving, right. which then means those signals don't line up with your eyes and you start getting dizzy. And like, sure. oh, I get like room spinning and really? all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's been, been pretty gnarly. So I feel okay this morning, but what I have found is that when I turn my head to the right, it seems to make it worse. Or when I when I put tilt my head backwards, seems to make it worse. That sucks. Yeah, it's been pretty shit. So yeah. I'm booked in at a physio on Friday this week coming because there's some movements that you can do. Now, I tried this maneuver myself last week, but also what I've come to find is because you've got the three different ear canals, they need to actually be able to diagnose which canal it's in to uh. do the correct movement. So... I felt like I got some relief after doing it last week on my own, but I'm going to go and get professional help because obviously it hasn't stuck. And hopefully on like come Friday, I can do these movements and, and feel perfectly fine after that. Uh, if, you know, coming out of that, if, if they find that it can't be fixed in that fashion, I might do some further testing just to make sure there's nothing else underlying that's going on. But I'm 
95% sure from my own research that that's what, what's yeah, happening. Okay. So, I'm yeah, big, it's been interesting. I'm a big proponent of the self-diagnose as long mm. as you can remain objective. Yeah. <clears throat> the problem is, I think, you know, in the first page of Google Diagnose, you've got cancer, no matter what it is. <laughs> and... But if you actually are really true with the symptoms and, and, and if you look hard enough, yeah. you can you can find it. And I've had a frustrating story of years and years ago where I all of a sudden became allergic to literally everything around me, everything yeah. I ate. I was having chronic fatigue mm-hmm. and went and saw three GPs, went and saw two specialists, and it wasn't until I went home and started Googling myself that I realized, hey, uh, could it be this? And then went back to the specialist, like spent $800. Mm. Oh, yeah, it is that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big... Was that the vitamin doctors. B thing? No, that was that was the mold. The AIDS? That was mold. Oh, you got the AIDS. Mold spores. If you've got mold in your house, get rid of it because it can cause massive, massive, massive health issues. Mm. So it was two panes of glass in a rental property that I had in, in Sydney, like maybe four by four metres or something like that of glass on, on this like mezzanine level and it just had little black dots on it and I, I had no idea and it crippled me. Mm. It crippled me. So yeah, Google <clears throat> Diagnose does help. Yeah, well, especially when I've been to two doctors. So since I got the ear infection, that was fine because they did the whole process, checked out, it was inflamed, gave me some antibiotics and that went away within, within a week or so. And it was only after the infection went away that I started getting this vertigo. Mm. And I guess the, the annoying thing for me is, and you can't really blame them, GP, what does it stand for? It's general practitioner. So I'd, I'd seen two different doctors about it since then. And both of them are just like, oh, yeah, I think you've just got a crystal that's dislodged in your ear and just like, it'll go away. And I'm like, okay, what's the time frame that would normally take for it to go away? Oh, I can't tell you. It could be days, could be weeks, could be months. So, you know, obviously a, a general practitioner can't know everything every single well, time. Knew. Well, yeah, they knew what it was, but I just like it's it's frustrating when, as someone who is a medical lay person myself, if that's the two different doctors and I've got the same story from both of them, and they've literally just gone, just don't do anything. It's a bit frustrating. So then you actually go searching for yourself. So look, I'll report back after after this Friday's appointment because hey, fingers crossed, it all goes well and it all gets fixed. And I think it's it's really important these days to you know listen to your body for a start. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also not the sort of person who can just sit back and go, okay, I'll just wait for things to get better. If there's anything that you can do to make something better, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. You know, I even remember when I got my knee surgery, for example, and doing the rehab afterwards. And whenever I'd have like weekly appointments with the, the physio at the hospital and you go in there and you'd be like, okay, so tell me what you did. Cause they'd give you exercises mm-hmm. and you have to do those exercises. And be like, all right, so tell me what you did this week. I'm like, okay, well, I did X, Y, and Z. And they're like, okay, you're doing too much. I'm like, yeah, but I I feel like I'm not working through any pain. Like, I I feel fairly good. Like, yeah, you're doing too much. And then you would do testing that week. And they're like, oh, your recovery is miles ahead of where it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, because I'm listening to my body and I know what it's capable of and, and what it's not. But I think it... It's really, really good these days that you can actually go online and you can do some research on some things and try to figure things out for yourself because only you can really feel what's happening inside your body. And I think describing symptoms is really difficult yes. sometimes, especially when you're on the spot in the doctor's office. You might forget about something that yeah. then springs up again later on. So, yeah, definitely. But like you said, make sure you're not a hypochondriac and just think you've got 
the worst case scenario every single time. Yeah. Or if you do think you're the worst case scenario, go and get tests, scans. Oh, yeah, real help. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, look, fingers crossed I can stop these dizzy spells soon because they're uh, debilitating. Well, on the other side of that, I feel awesome. Mm. So I, I've just done the first week. So we're in testing phase at the at the gym. Yep. So I know that we spoke about doing a challenge between Jason and I. We will get to it. Mm-hmm. We will get to it. Uh, the trainers have got everything lined up. They have not told me what it is, but this is this is my testing thing to see what your one is one, one rep max. Yeah, one rep max is, and it goes on a big board inside. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different things that we need to do, and some strength and some sort of cardio, mm-hmm. uh, cardio things. And this week, I did deadlifts, bench press. You do overhead press as well? Uh, yeah, military press and assault bike, mm-hmm. like calories on the assault bike. And then next week, I've got to do like a front squat, back squat, uh, chin-ups. And there's two like cardio ones. I think one's like the, the rowing machine, and then mm-hmm. there's like a rowing machine run assault bike. Right. Thing, which I'm saving to last. Death cardio <laughs> workout. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be last. Yeah. But oh, I do. I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about the um, the by far the hardest one so far has been the forty calories in the assault bike. Okay. So assault bike for for those that don't know, it's it's a it's a bike, but where your arms can pump as well. So yeah. your handlebars can pump and your your legs can can pedal. And you've got to reach forty calories. Mm-hmm. And they'll time you and whatever whatever that number is, that's what you're that's what goes up on the board. So is it is it forty calories burnt or forty calories generated in power by the machine? The latter, yeah. 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 Calories it, because it's not calibrated to you or anything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. everyone's calorie burnt's different. But mm-hmm. and I have done the assault bike before at the very end of, you know, big workouts and then it's like, you know, do do forty calories and it's taken me like two or three minutes. Mm. So, I I jump on this bike, and the trainer was good enough to tell me. He said, "Just hit it as hard as you possibly can." The technique is as hard as you possibly can, and then just manage the drop off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I hit it as hard as I can. I've spun it harder than I've ever spun anything before in my life. Mm-hmm. After thirty cows, no, so after twenty cows, my breathing was now out the window. Like yeah. I. I didn't know how to breathe anymore. <laughs> After the 30th calorie, I could no longer see. <laughs> and I had to let someone count me in. Yeah. I, my eyes were going all over the place. Yeah, like, yeah. like, And the cliff, when they, when they say fall off a cliff, I felt like I'd fallen off a cliff. Not only have I fallen off a cliff, I've crashed into the rocks <laughs> and I'm still on the bike and when I'm pedaling, it's not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I went from, I don't know how many RPM to like, nearly nothing mm. and wheezing you know I, I was like <laughs> it was so rough that when I finished I got off the bike I took two steps I laid on the ground for probably five minutes yeah. trying to get my breath back and then woke up in hospital close <laughs> close one of the trainers gave me an ice block I was eating the ice block and he got halfway through the ice block and I thought I've just got to go next door so the gym's next door to my, mm-hmm. my shit so I came in here sat on that couch and fell asleep <laughs> instantly instantly fell asleep and then just woke up half an hour later yeah it yeah. was 
brutal. The assault bike is one of the most vomit-inducing exercises you can do if you do it really hard. Because the, the difficult thing about it you is... You said, like, if you do it really hard, like, I didn't. But I did. Well, it sounds like you did. But I didn't. I'd, I'd normally give you shit, but if you're on testing, I'm sure you went as hard <laughs> as you possibly could. Because uh, it, it takes you... It switches your body from your anaerobic power outage to your aerobic but by the time it switches over to aerobic you've already burnt off all the oxygen that's in your body and i think it's very difficult for you to be able to get enough oxygen back in to keep powering your muscles and keeping them going because it's i've always been like a focused breather you know i did yoga for two and a half years yeah and i know that like the best way to get your heart rate down is big breaths and like holding the Mm. Like like a slow release, mm-hmm. and I was doing that for the first twenty calories. I was doing that like a champion. Yeah, yeah. And then that went out the window. I was like, no, that's not enough. Yeah, yeah. But I think there was nothing in the tank. Yeah, fair enough. Nothing. You just depleted all the oxygen in your body. Yeah, well, it was gone. Mm. It was gone. So I did. I did forty calories in sixty-two seconds. Okay. Yeah. And I thought I was actually impressed with that. Oh, it would have been nice. Like the trainer was yelling at me. It would have been nice to be under sixty. But yeah, that's my first. First one I've ever done. Yeah, okay. Got a set of benchmarks somewhere. Yeah. So, at least I know now I want to get sub 60 on the, on the next one. But one of the guys that goes there that's built like a bridge troll, <laughs> he's, he's got the record in there. Mm. 18 seconds. What? 18 seconds. Holy. 18 seconds. Poop. 40 calories in 18 seconds. Jesus. Just, and he's built like a thumb. Yeah, yeah. So For sure. that's a bit head nicking, but you know, <laughs> we'll figure it out. He's now, a strong boy. Very strong. Mm. So the other thing we did was the, the deadlift. Yep. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about this because I, I think I was my own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So I did 150 kilos. Thank you. And that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what my problem was. Right. I went in there with a target in mind. Yep. And once I got there, my mind didn't let me exceed it. Yeah, okay. So, so I, I, the 150 was not easy, mm. but could I have done 155? Yes, I think so. Yeah. It was just, it was a mental. So mentally, your brain may have not seen that as a target. It might have seen it as a limitation. So yeah. it might have seen it as, I can't do any more than 150, rather than, I think I can smash 150 and go to 160 or 170. Yeah, so, mm. and I, I, the reason why I think that is because when I did the, the military press, I've never rated myself on, ever. Yep. So military press, barbell, uh, at st- standing up, mm-hmm. and then just from, basically pick it up from your chest and go straight up above your head. Yeah. So I'd never, I, I didn't have any metrics to go off. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of measuring off the people around me that were doing it as well. Mm. And some guys started with the bar as a, as a warm-up, mm-hmm. and I started with the bar, and I was like, this is like nothing, 20-kilo yeah. bar, mm-hmm. not enough. And I started, it, it, all the weights I kept putting on was just like, not enough, not enough, so I'm just like jamming it, jamming it, jamming mm-hmm. it, jamming it, and I had no idea, and I did 70 kilos. Mm. And apparently 70 kilos is really, really impressive. Yeah. But because I had no idea... Yeah, okay. That's why I feel like I limited myself mentally. Well, well consider this. So, like, your, your deadlift of 150 is 50% more than you've ever deadlifted prior to this training block mm. that you've started. Yeah. It's 50% more than you've ever deadlifted in your life. Yeah. So we've spoken about on the pod before about how last time you, your brain yeah. got in the way of you lifting 100 kilos. But, but consider that. If you want to talk about mashing two metrics together, 
your your personal best for deadlift back in the day, which is a major movement, was 100 kilos, mm. and now you can military press 70 kilos above your head? Yeah, true. Like, that's huge. Yeah, but I'm also, like, 30 kilos heavier. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that you can lift more weight above your head. No, well, we'll see when we do the chin-ups, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll be a, a big difference, yeah. I'd say. But the, and then the other one was the uh, bench press. Yep. And I finished on 105. Yeah, which is huge. We, I was, look, so you I'm, can bench press your own body weight. Yeah. I was kind of happy with it and I'm kind of not. I'm kind of happy with it because I, I've i done 100 before. Mm-hmm. Like in this, like in 20, uh, 2021, I've done yep. 100 before. So I thought I would get, I thought I would, I would beat that maybe a little bit more than mm. five kilos. Yeah. But it came down to technique. Mm. And I'm a technique guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably more technique orientated than you are. Way more. I hold the pencil correctly. Yeah. I hold my golf club correctly. Yeah, I write like a five-year-old child. Yeah, I don't write any better, but I hold the pen correctly. <laughs> For me, I want to know the mechanics of it, and mm. I want to know how the, the grand populace does it. Mm. So that I'm going to model myself off that, yep. Because I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not going to be the new creator of some new move. Mm. When I put one, uh, I can't remember if it was one hundred and seven or one hundred and ten on the bar. As soon as I picked it up, it all went out the window. And again, mm. it's probably a bit of a mental thing, intimidated by the yeah. weight. But lifted up, and then, and even my trainer said, as soon as as soon as it went down to your chest, I just knew because you reset your like your shoulders went went all out of whack. And, yeah. And, yeah, and you, you know, it was done from your frame had broken, and obviously then you're at the hardest part of the lift, which is getting it off from the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's a little bit disappointing because I don't want, you know, especially strength test, but it wasn't strength that stopped me; it was technique. Yeah, it's mental strength. Oh, it is mental. I think yeah, that's true. But that's true. Come on, give yourself a break, man. Like, let's not forget you've only been training for five months. Mm. So, yeah. so you've only been training for five months. You can bench press your own weight. Yeah. So I would say the average. Actually, I think I looked up the stats on this a little while ago. I'm pretty sure they say that the average male in their 30s can normally bench press around 90 percent of their weight. Yeah. Okay. And I'm a I'm a fatty. Yeah, you're a big boy. Yeah. And so you you can you're above average. Okay. And I think that's a good start. I'm like. You've only been lifting for five months. Like, apart from this year, when was the last time that you were on a steady, consistent gym routine? Also, we lived on the Gold Coast. When was that? Ten years ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Right? So, cut. It was ten years ago, actually, because it popped up on my Facebook. It's because we checked into... Von Kennel Fitness Centre. Von Kennel Fitness yeah. Centre. Yeah. It was nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that, that's the thing. So, so, cut yourself some slack, because the, the biggest difficulty for me... For, not for me, but for, I think, a lot of people when it comes to lifting weights is at the beginning, you get, you get astronomical gains every single week because you're coming from a baseline of zero training and then you start doing some training. Mm. And it's literally just because, like you're saying, you're a technique guy. It's just that mind-muscle connection of... So you've got... I was speaking to you guys about this during the week. So you've got uh, things called motor neurons in your muscles, which are essentially the nerves that connect your brain to your muscles Mm -hmm. and make your muscles fire. 
And what you see in untrained people is when you go and you, you put load on a muscle, those motor neurons don't fire at the same time. So if you consider, if you've got a thousand motor neurons mm. all firing together mm. in unison at the same time, I guess if you want an example, it's like having a thousand people around a car, you could probably lift that car up if you all tried to lift at the same time. Ah, uh, I see, yeah. So try doing that when you've got a thousand people around a car and everyone has a go on their own. Yeah. Like you won't move it, right? Yeah. So it's the same principle. So the more... That's a bloody good analogy. Thank you. That's an impressive one. Yeah, I thought Analogies of that. Analogies are hard to come up with and that was a good one. I pulled that straight out of my butthole. Yeah. So um, thank you. But so imagine... Uh, when you've when you first started, a lot of the times you're getting these these big performance gains. Mm. It's not because you're building muscle or getting stronger necessarily. There's a, an element of that. I think the majority of it at the beginning comes from the fact that your brain muscle connections getting stronger, so you're getting better at firing all those neurons off at the yeah. same time. Yeah. yeah so everyone's like lifting in unison, right? Yeah, a mental technique. That's right. So the problem is this is what typically happens with people who start getting into exercise is you get real massive gains at the beginning and then you get to a point where your gains start getting lesser and lesser and lesser and then people start to get frustrated. But that's just a fact of life. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to understand how big a deal it is that you can deadlift 150 kilos. Yeah. That's huge. It's 50% more than you've ever done in your life before this year. Yeah, but the guy with the skinny legs next to me did five kilos more. <laughs> yeah, well... Well, if he's got... How, is he a big guy, no. apart from skinny legs? No. So his ceiling is he's probably like, lower than yours. He's built like Justin Bieber. Yeah, he's ripped, though. Um, he has ripped, too. This guy's ripped, too. How long has he been training for? Longer than me. Hmm. So I would say his ceiling's lower than yours. So you've got to think, you're five kilos off a guy who's been training for years, and you've been doing it for five months. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, I will I'll, I'll change my chain. I'm happy. I'm yeah, happy. you should be very, very happy. Um... I, speaking of uh, fitness and, and happiness, I got a compliment this week. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> so, and it was very unexpected. And so... It, it could be used. This is, this is a line that you could use if you wanted to impress someone. Potentially. Yeah. So, it, all that impressed was me. <laughs> so, on... It was last Sunday, uh, my wife and I were taking Nate out for a walk, and he was on his little bike. And that probably contributed to it as well because when Nate's got this little trike thing that's got a handle on the back of it so and it's also a little bit lower down so I can't stand up straight and push him mm. you sort of got to hunch over and because the bar's like this I guess you're sort of in like a primed position mm. while you're pushing your kid along partially pumped partially pumped yeah so we're walking up the street around the corner from my house and we run into a friend of mine shout out to Amy who is a, a Tamba original so one of one of us from the mountain and her and her partner, Jess, who I'd never met before, they've just bought a house literally around the corner from our place. Mm. So congratulations on buying the house. Mm, That's really cool. Now, I'd never met Jess before. Debt City. What's that, sorry? Debt City. Debt, <laughs> yeah, welcome to debt. Yeah. But hey, it's, uh, it's a nice area to live in too. So anyway, I've never met Jess before. So we're doing all the intros and Amy had never met Amanda before either or, sure. or Nate. So we're doing all the intros and stuff like that. And then Amy says, this is Jason to Jess. And then Jess goes, let me guess. Like, let me guess where you know him from. And she goes, let me guess. CrossFit. And my heart melted. <laughs> I was like, do I look like a CrossFit guy? Maybe because she thought you were a douchebag. Look, that could be it. <laughs> but I'll still take it. Yeah. If, if I could be an athletic looking douchebag, I'll it's take it. I've been called a douchebag before. It, it, it would have been very difficult. Oh, let me guess. 
you worked at Krispy Kremes together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hey, shout out to Jess. Never met you before, but you literally made my week. Um, so, And then, yeah, you use that in... Maybe you could use the same technique that Jess used to make someone feel good about themselves. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I didn't know what you were getting to with that. But yeah, I know you didn't because you you are centric. You are self-centric. self-centric. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was... to make someone else feel good about themselves. It's just like, oh, like, you go to that CrossFit gym. Yeah, let me guess. CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, also still on the health and fitness front. It's been three months since we got our last uh, DXA scans, body composition yeah. scans. So, I booked one in for Tuesday. Now, I know I, I whinged and moaned last time about trying to find a good place to go. And I have... Is that all you whinged and moaned about? Was it just the place to go? Was that the, the things that you winched about? It was the lack of service, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the results. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously the results weren't weren't what I expected. Yeah. Uh, but I booked in for this Tuesday. Now, I've just realised the first thing that's going to be an issue is lying flat on my back for 13 minutes. It doesn't take that long. It does at this place. What are they using? I've got a lot of tissue to scan. <laughs> so I think mine's 45 seconds or something. No, I think you said three minutes, minutes last time. Yeah. So, yeah, typical bloke. Typical bloke. I told <laughs> not, you not real good on time frames. Stop exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so booked in on Tuesday. So, yeah, because I've done some research around the Gold Coast. There's only one other place, which is down in Miami, which is almost as far away from my house as coming to Brisbane, which has got any decent ratings. But I'm like, I may as well just, I know what to do and I'll do the same thing that you did. So just fast in the morning instead of having breakfast and all no that sort water. of stuff. And no water, okay? And see, I have no water, no coffee. Yep. I have nothing. It's early in the morning. It's like 10 o'clock, I think, that it's that it's booked in for. That's so. early? That's a long That's that's long. a long time to go with no water. Because I did mine at 9, and I was like... Right. Yeah, I might might have mad pasties by the time I yeah. go. Yeah, you'll be right. Yeah, you'll be sweet. Yeah, yeah, do it once. Yeah. Oh, I like it. How, you know, oh, it's a long time to go without water for, like, you know... Three hours in the morning or something. There's people out there that literally have not had water for like days. Yeah, proper water. So shout out to them. I'd, I'd hate to see like their Dexter scans. <laughs> yeah. like subscribe to our channel. And yeah, go more, uh, like and subscribe. Then go and have a drink. Full glass of water shaming. Yeah, but yeah. So booked in for that on on Tuesday. Which and because you asked me the question during the week about what sort of changes I'm expecting, I don't no. really know what to expect. I found this interesting. Because I would have thought that you, in particular, being a numbers guy, would have had a specific target that you wanted to reach. And when we spoke about it, you were very broad in your approach to it, which was counter to what we'd swapped. So I had an idea. So, no, I, I had a broad idea of what I, what I was mm-hmm. going to achieve on the first one. Yep. You had an exact idea. Yep. Now, I've got the precise one that I want, mm-hmm. and then you're, like, gone gone more broad. I, yeah, I think that has shifted in regard to our our lifestyles over the last three months. So, what? So you're right, I'm a numbers guy, and I'm usually very specific with mm. numbers. But what I know is in the last three months, I've not been able to be specific in my training, for mm. example, because of illnesses primarily sure so i've been sick on and off the whole time yeah and i know that there's been certain periods where i haven't trained for two weeks because yeah. i've been sick for two weeks so it's really hard to have a specific goal in mind if you're then not hitting specific uh sure. you know training diet all that sort of stuff during that period of time whereas i think for you because you know i'm doing two training sessions a week yeah 
and you've not you haven't changed a huge huge amount as far as your diet goes. But only less alcohol. That's it. That's the only thing I've done this year. Yeah. So you've got two metrics which you do week in week out now, which you've done for three months. So I think it's a little bit easy for you to have a bit more of a targeted idea of what you're yeah. getting out of it. Whereas for me, it's it's literally been topsy turvy the yeah. whole whole way through. So I think you're looking better though because the photos. I feel better. Yeah. The fact that you're getting you're getting uh, CrossFit comments, but also. A couple of photos that you posted up on, online, and I can see it in your face. I don't mm. know if you're just shaving or something, but you definitely look skinnier in your face. I've actually been having my beard go slightly longer, so maybe that's why, because you can't see the chins through the hairs anymore. Because I'm hoping to get a 3% shift in my my fat percentage, my mm-hmm. body fat percentage. That's... that's and, a, and a one-point uplift in your bone mineral density. Yeah, well... So I've, you're back to baseline. Supp- sorry, that is an, an one thing that I've been doing, is supplementing... Calcium. Yeah, okay. That was the, that was the only other thing. But yeah. I'll book mine in. I'll book mine in. I don't know. No, I was supposed to do it last week, but I've had a pretty full on week mm. last week. So yeah, I'll book it in and get it and get it done next week. Yeah, and then we can talk about it next week we on can the pod. Talk about it. Oh, something I want to talk about just still on the training thing was in talking about technique. Mm. And Liam, you know, friend of the show, Liam, co-host, sub-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going through his lifting um, regime mm-hmm. and we're talking about grips yep I don't think we I'm not sure if we spoke about it on the podcast but me being a process guy mm-hmm. I wanted to achieve my lift with a double overhead and yeah grip uh, that's the same as me yeah and that worked up until 140 kilos right and then as soon as you go to pick it up off the ground the whole thing just twists Mm. And then you break, like, between your sort of your index finger and your thumb, that mm. just becomes a weak point. Yeah. And you sort of jump off it. And then I was nervous to try the alternate grip, mm-hmm. which is one hand over, one hand under. Yep. I'd heard about people tearing biceps and things like that. Mm. And Nick was really good. He's like, he's like, just make sure that that arm's locked out and you'll have no problem. Yeah. If you don't try and lift it with your arm, you'll be fine. Yeah, okay. Dude. I can see why, like, I don't even know why people would double overhand. It, it is way easier. Yeah. Way easier. So I'll tell you why I'm, I'm only going to double overhand. Is why? I don't believe you. You won't. No, because... You tell me your reason, because I think it's your reason is the same as my reason, which is all good up until the point where it doesn't work. No, my, my reason is that it's... I'm, I'm training not to get big numbers. I'm training for life. So I can't think of another scenario where the, like, the, what, what do they call, what's that grip called? Alternate. Alternate grip. Yeah. I can't think of another time in life where alternate grip is going to be suitable. Absolutely. The, the only time it's going to be suitable. So, what, so deadlifting, you're going you're gonna to deadlift a car? Is... No, but also if you're training in an overhand grip, that overhand grip translates to a grip up here. So if I'm trying to climb up something... I'm, you, uh, let's say it's a cliff face. Yeah. So if I'm falling off a cliff face, you're going to have double overhand grip. You're not going to get over an underhand and then try to get up. Not necessarily. If there was a pole that you had to get up, you can alternate grip. Yeah, if it's a pole. Yeah, so there are scenarios. So, that, that, so and I know where you're going to get to mentally because that's exactly where I got to. I thought mm-hmm. it's a true form. It's a true... Um, the truest form of it is to just go double overhand mm-hmm. and just th- know that that's that's where you're at. 
But at 140 kilos, when it was just literally breaking off in my hand, and mm. I'm like, okay, my legs are going, no, we want more. And my back, and everything's going, no, we can do more, we can do more. Mm. And you're just talking your fingers going, well, all yeah. I have to do is go like that, and then you can do it. Mm. You'll get there too, and you'll be like, okay. Yeah, but I'm also mindful of the fact that I don't want to keep going out and buying weights as well. So I don't mind if my progression is slower, if my grip strength is coming along with it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess... There. You'll get there. I'm telling you. We'll see. I... I, I and put it, put it in the comments. What do you think, Jason? Will do you think Jason can let his double overhead grip uh, mental stance stand past the point where it doesn't work? Like if if you know that you can go further, and all you have to do is turn that hand over. Yeah, but the thing is, wouldn't you like if you're training your grip? Like that grip's always going to be a, a a weak point for you. So if you get to the point where you can easily double overhand grip. 150 for reps of five or something like that that's going to make your body overall stronger than if you're if you're trying to compensate your weakest leg every time let me clarify i i will always double overhead hand when i can Mm. but when my hands are the weak point i will switch so that i'm not uh depriving the rest of my body the extra weight that it deserves (laughs) fair enough different goals i guess yeah yeah, different goals so um put in the comments do you think Jason can do it? Because I don't think so. I know what he's like. I know he's uh, he's like a brother to me. I know, <laughs> I know that I know that he'll just get there and just go like, no, this is bullshit. Like, I'll just go. Uh, uh, and no, but if, if you know anything about me, you know that now that I've said on a podcast, I'm just going to be stubborn and stick to it. Uh, so also speaking of fitness uh, at the moment, so I was going to do testing stuff this month as well, but then my mum sent me an email at the end of last month about this push for better mental health challenge that's mm. on this month. And I've never done it previously in the past, but now I've kind of got the time that I'm at home. So uh, what it is, is they're pushed for better mental health. So it's, it's around mental health and raising money for mental health. Now, I'm not necessarily trying to raise money, but if you obviously mental health is a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a million times on this podcast. Mental health is one of the most important things for all of us as yeah. far as your health, well-being and just getting the most out of life goes. So if you do have some money that you want to put to a good cause, I would encourage you to... I'm sure you'll have a friend in your in your social media feed who's posting up about it. Uh, I think it's Beyond Blue that it is one of the... It's Beyond Blue and it's another one, uh, which are the, the charities that the money goes towards. So if you do want to put your money in a good place, definitely support some of your friends. But it is a challenge where... You're doing so. You download an app, and it gives you a certain amount of. They say push-ups, like the whole. That's yeah. the push thing. But I think they've also this year probably gone. Okay, we realise that just getting people to do push-ups for a month means that your body's going to be out of whack. Yeah. And so they've said just do whatever the reps are. So the app tells you how many reps you're supposed to be doing on every given day. So whatever the reps are, just do that in whatever exercise it is that you want. Mm-hmm. So what I decided to do was for this month, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna alternate push-ups and. Uh, bent over rows yep. so at least my front and my back are, yep. are even and I've struggled this week the numbers are huge though they're big numbers so the first day was 135 push-ups Ugh. which so I traditionally I have always had trouble with push-ups back when I used to train a lot because I tore the ligaments in my left wrist 10 it's probably 12 years ago now and for, for many years, especially when I was working at the adventure park where I was climbing and stuff every day, the wear and tear on my wrist, they just never healed properly. So I always had, I always struggled with that position, mm-hmm. that, that flexed push-up position. 
Now, I've definitely found because I've, and it's probably because I've been doing a lot of grip-based mm. training in the last however many months, but I have definitely found my wrists feel much better now than they've ever felt. Right. But because I've not been prioritizing push-ups at all, they're actually really hard. Like, people probably don't realize how difficult push-ups actually everybody are. everybody realizes that push-ups are hard. Especially when you're trying to do the volume and... I guess the other the other point of of the the program is that you can just disperse these during the day, so you don't have to do like one training session yeah. where you just get them all out at the same time. But I've been trying to fit them around Nate being asleep. So like, if I get up in the morning before he's awake, I'll go and I'll try to do as many as I possibly can. So a lot of times, I've been banging this stuff out in an hour in the morning mm-hmm. or while I'm doing other things. But just yeah, I think it's Tuesday or whatever was the first day and. My chest is the sorest it's been in a long time. So hopefully I get some nice hypertrophy for you out there uh, this month because, uh, yeah, it's a lot of volume. Like yesterday was bent over rows day, so I had to do 180 bent over rows. I've just got my two 16-kilo kettlebells, and I was just doing them with that. But still, 180 reps, is that's a lot of volume. And the numbers are generated, like what are the numbers in line with? So I can't remember exactly what it adds up to, but I think it's somewhere around 3,318. That, that's a number that I think it's in 25 days because they give you some rest days. I think tomorrow's a rest day. Um, and it's to add up to the total amount of suicides which happen in Australia every single year. So it is towards is suicide on. prevention. That is full on. When you hear when you hear that number yeah. of, of suicides and, and you... I feel like, and look, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, and it's a far more complex issue than, than I'm ever going to know. But I just feel like a lot of it's preventable. Like I feel yeah. like if 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 I was able, like if you're able to reach out to someone in your network and just know that people in your network care about you, mm. you know that yeah, it hits pretty, it hits pretty close. Um, I've not had any suicide in my direct um, uh, network, mm. uh, but I know some people that have been affected by it, and, and yeah. it always hits really, like, surprisingly. Yeah, and it's... I, I guess the most concerning thing out of this for for me, and probably for you mm. too, is every time you hear about one, all the friends around them are like, oh, I had no idea, like, yeah. I didn't see it coming. And... Yeah, it's hard. Like, I think all of us have things that go on in our lives every single day that yeah. we don't tell people. You know, whether you're embarrassed about it or, or yeah. you know, we all we all internalize a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, you know, you and I are pretty open with yeah. a lot of things because I'm I'm a talker. Like, men typically are really bad for this too because yeah. we don't talk to people about our problems. Yeah. I probably talk to too many people about my problems. Um, so. You know, I'm fortunate to have people in my network that if whatever it is, if there's anything that's gone wrong, I can call these certain people up and I know that I can have a fully 100% honest conversation mm. with them. There's not going to be any blowback. Like, mm. it's not going to go around the group or anything like yeah. that. Like, that, that's one thing, too, that shits me to tears that I see way more often than I should see is when you when you have, like, information circulates around a group and you're just like, someone got told that information was asked not to tell everyone. Like someone had a conversation with someone, they're like, please don't tell anyone, but this thing has happened and it still finds its way around the group. You are on the extreme side of not telling anyone though, because I, I have, I have been privy to things that I thought 
no one knew about and you knew months and months and months before and we were living together and yeah still didn't say it so you are definitely I'm a vault yeah you're a vault yeah a vault. and no one knows the combination of the vault yeah and sometimes it is an incidental vault because I've forgotten <laughs> <laughs> because it's not being honestly spoken about I have just moved on with my life and forgotten <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah like if you're we all know that when, when someone's telling us something that's important, just keep it to yourself. Be, be a good friend and just keep it to yourself. Because if they're telling you something that's that important to them, you think it's going to get better for them if that information comes back around through another avenue? Yeah. Or worse still, there's Chinese whispers along the way and mm. the story starts to change. So, but, are they to call them Chinese whispers now? Or are they just called whispers? Um, I think now that Trump's out of office, you can still, you can call them Chinese whispers again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that makes it okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. And look, just listen, listen to them. It, it's, it's not about something I've learned as I've got, I'm getting older is it's not about what you say. It's about how you listen. I think that is more mm. important and listening to properly understand. Yeah not listening to respond. I yeah. It's not is... about us trying to fix the problem. It's yeah. sometimes people just want to be heard. People. Again, I don't know any... Uh, we've got people... We've got listeners to the show that actually know this stuff and feel free to weigh in if you want. But I think more often than not, the person knows the answer to their problems, mm. but they just feel so isolated. They just need to get it out and so they can at least get some maybe contextualise mm. you know, their thoughts and, and maybe like they think that they're the only people having those thoughts, yet we're all having them at, to different degrees. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think it's us to solve it, but we just need to be there to listen. Mm. I think that's. I think that's a good start, at least. Yeah, but for that sure. number, like to hear three thousand people, is that Australians? Yeah, every year. That seems that a very, very, very large. We'll put it this way: we're locking down the entire country for a third of that. Yeah. So that, and and we don't really talk about mental health, like. No, it doesn't get spoken about. Like, like I, I feel like it gets. It gets lip service on on TV a little bit with, but it's mainly charities advertising for it. Yeah. But as far as actual, like what one of the one of the best examples of positive messaging I've seen on TV in the last twelve months, I can't remember when it happened. I think it might have been around Origin State of Origin time last year. But Brad Fittler just did had this campaign where he was just telling people to get more sleep. And I'd not, yeah. not seen anything like that. And I, I got the shits because that was when Nate wasn't sleeping last year. I was like, thanks, Brad. Uh, but that was really positive because well, it's super important for people. And the amount of people that I've worked with in particular that had, I, not, not suicidal, but mm. definitely some mental issues, mm-hmm. always had, sorry, not always, generally had terrible diets. The people that rolled in mm. the first thing in the morning two cans of Red Bull, yeah. like in their hands. And you're like, eh, that's not a good start. No. Day. no. And, and <clears throat> it's a, it's a downward spiral. If you think about like, if you wake up in the morning and you feel like, if you feel bad mm-hmm. and then you th- feel like the only way to, to get you up is to pump yourself with uppers that we know are going to make you feel down. Yeah. And then it, that's a negative feedback loop, mm. isn't it? So, so it's, it's hard to get out of that, but, but, Start by getting some more sleep, you know, mm. go, to, go to bed a bit earlier, try all the things, turning the lights off, all those, like... Not eating right before you go to bed, study, not drinking alcohol every night. Study each point, you know, I'm a technique guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've joked on this podcast a thousand times that I'm a, I'm a great sleeper, mm-hmm. but that doesn't come for free. No. 
I researched how to become a good sleeper mm. and then apply those things to become a good sleeper. So if you're not getting good sleep, research that. Get Try different wake-up regimes to, mm. to, you know, try a different breakfast. Try fasting. Try try something over a prolonged period of time to rewire what's in your brain mm. to give yourself the best opportunity to thrive. Yeah. Because there, there is that, that, that you need to break that negative feedback cycle. You need to well, break that. Do you want to hear some of the science about that negative feedback cycle? Because mm-hmm. this is a lot of the stuff that I've been getting into lately. Uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is the Huberman Lab mm-hmm. with Andrew Huberman. I think I've mentioned it on here a few times before. And I've learned a lot of the stuff about the neuroscience of, of these negative feedback loops. So some of the chemicals that are in your body, uh, obviously you've got your, your sex hormones, which are your testosterone and estrogen, and men and women both have testosterone, uh, testosterone and estrogen in their bodies at varying levels. Mm-hmm. And certain levels of both of those compounds in your body are optimal for, for good health. And a lot of those hormones drive a lot of the other functions in your body. So it's really what's really interesting that I found in recent research is the link of those sex hormones to the other hormone, cortisol. Mm-hmm. So cortisol is a stress hormone. It's designed to get your body to move, to take action. Mm-hmm. So your, your cortisol actually peaks in the morning because it's designed to wake you up to start your day. Mm-hmm. So when you consider the fact that it's a stress hormone... So obviously, if you've got a stressful job, if you've got a stressful life, mm-hmm. your body's producing more and more cortisol. Now, where it gets really interesting is that cortisol, testosterone, estrogen are all produced off the same building block, which is actually dietary cholesterol. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who think, who like we've heard for many years that cholesterol is bad, it's not all bad. Like high cholesterol buildup in your arteries, bad dietary cholesterol is actually the building block that your body uses to produce hormones. Now, when we're talking about negative feedback loops, if you're a really stressed out person, what is your body doing? Your body is prioritizing using that cholesterol to produce cortisol, not produce your sex hormones. So if you don't have, like if you're a man and you have lowering testosterone levels, you will not feel as good. So you wake up the next morning not feeling good which might stress you out a little bit more. Yeah. Which then means your body then reprioritizes turning that cholesterol into cortisol. And then you just keep that negative feedback loop continues because the more cortisol you make, the more stressed out you feel, the less testosterone that you're making, which means you're not getting any of those feel good uh, yeah. functions from your testosterone or estrogen in the ladies. So the only way to break that feedback loop is to actually mindfully do something different that's going to break it because your body's stuck in that cycle now. It's just your body will always do what it's always done, which is to survive. Mm. And when you're under chronic stress, your body thinks it needs to prioritize cortisol because you need to do something. You need to change something like cortisol is designed to make you move. Mm. So it's like you're, you're in chronic stress. I need to get out of this situation. If you don't get out of the situation, you know, your body's just going to keep doing that until you do. So one of the, if you're looking at silver linings, one of the positive side effects of this vertigo thing I had, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in, all, in just over a month mm. because obviously I'm dizzy all the time. So it just feels like I'm on a bender, but uh, I've, I've like having alcohol for me at the moment feels like the worst possible sure. thing that I could do. So I'm actually sleeping better yeah. than I've slept in a long time. And I know that after I get this vertigo thing sorted out, I'm really happy now that I'm not drinking as much alcohol and I just won't go back to drinking like I was yeah. before. So you said something in there that I want to 
sort of break out, break down a little bit more, which mm-hmm. is the high stress yep. scenarios. We went to a funeral yesterday. Yeah. Lots of speeches uh, reflecting on someone's life. Uh, one of the big takeaways for me is <coughs> the functions of work never showed up once when you reflect yeah. on someone's life. Yeah. But what was brought up a lot was family, friends, mm. travel, adventure. Yeah. So if you're out there and you are, if you are stressing yourself to the point of doing damage to your body, mm-hmm. you really need to reassess what it is that yeah. you're doing. Now, first and foremost, I would say, are you doing your job properly? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I know that, you know, write, writing a list can mm. of things that you need to do for the day was uh, one of the most powerful tools you can do in an organisation to to get your brain yeah. right. But if your employer is pushing you to the point where you're having physical ailments, mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, it's not worth the money. Yeah. What's the point of having the money when your health is diminishing at a rate faster? That's what happened again? to me. I've, I've gotten stuck in bad work relationships with bad bosses where my brain's been stuck in a fight or flight feedback loop and I've got no flight <laughs> um, uh, in my body. So I kept get being in the fight thing, which means I just stayed in that in that role for way longer than it should have. Yeah. And look, you guys have seen the results of it. I got, I got unhealthy. I got fat. I was drinking too much alcohol. Like it, getting out of that has been... And it's not like I wasn't in that in the last position that I was in. Please don't get me wrong. But remove myself from those stressful situations, even though it didn't feel like the right thing to do. Because again, I'm, I'm a fairly egotistical guy. So for me, it felt like losing. Yeah. Like leaving those those situations felt like I was conceding defeat. Yeah. I was just beating myself. Like that entire time, yeah. I was just beating myself. So if that means changing the environment, if that means changing roles, if that means... And, and don't forget about this too. People, if you're working for someone and they're pushing you to that level... If you go, they will replace you. Yeah, like that. No questions asked. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, that's where there is this real strange mentality behind your own worth and your own, your own mm. value. But being in a big room of people yesterday and hearing those speeches and looking at, there are some people in the room that are working too hard. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. And, I'm telling you, like this is the, this is this is the reminder. Mm. Change that, yeah, because it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. No one, no one cares. When when on that day, when we're reflecting back on the things you did, none of that stuff matters. No, that's right. And but what you said too, I think, is very important. Where it's not just about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. It's not about oh my job's stressful, so I'm just going to quit my job. Yeah, like find ways that you can make your job less stressful first. Yeah, uh, find more efficiencies that you can build in. Yeah, stop medicating your oh, your good. stress with uh, with small uh, small doses of dopamine, whether it's retail therapy. So, like one of the worst feedback loops that I, I see a lot of people get stuck in because today's society is so materialistic and so pose factor is people who go and work their asses off all week in a job that they hate to buy stuff to wear out on the weekend to impress their friends who then they rock up on Monday morning they're broke again because they've had to buy a new dress every weekend or a new jacket or whatever the case may be and then they have to go back to that job that they hate and then they just this cycle repeats and it's like retail therapy you know it, it's been the joke in in 
uh, sitcoms for 50 years that, you know, the, the women go shopping. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not functional for a start. I, I think, for me, the biggest thing about, obviously, being at the funeral yesterday is it, it's just a, it's a perspective maker. What's really important in life? Yeah. Are you living your life the way that you want to live it? Or are you living your life the way that you think other people think that you should be living your life? Yeah, yeah that's huge. And so many people do that. And the thing is, people don't care. Like, I'm telling you right now, anyone who is super, uh, like, post-factor or, or, like, you know, always has the latest, greatest things, the new clothes, this, that... If you are worried about how that person thinks about you, I can tell you right now, that person only thinks about themselves anyway. Yeah. They're not judging you, or they might, but the only reason why they would judge you is to make themselves feel better because they're trying to justify the decisions they're making. So you need to... It's not just, it's not just the post stuff, though. There are people out there that are on the opposite end of that scale which are so scared of losing security mm. in you know, giving up a day's work or something for, for yeah. their own mental health because they think that, that the, the loss is going to be far greater. Yeah, yeah. If you're not connecting with friends, family, mm. if, you're not, if you're not building those networks, if you're not helping yourself physically and mentally, mm-hmm. no matter how much money you are getting, it's not enough. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know what that internal monologue is like because I had an employer that made me feel like that all the time. And, mm. you, like, if something would come up... I, I'd missed so much opportunity in things. Yeah. I had a boss that didn't let me go on Family Feud. Yeah. Right? We'd yeah. organised it. Yeah, it was all good until it wasn't. It was one day. I needed one day off. And wouldn't yeah. you need one day off? Could have been on Family Feud. Well, it's probably good family, that you weren't on there because they won. They won. <laughs> they won Family Feud. But I couldn't go on that. And I, I look back, that's just one moment. And it's, and it's a pretty superficial one. But that's a friggin' cool... Uh, 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 that's a cool thing. That's, that's a, a great cool. opportunity. Not just opportunity, it's just an adventure. Yeah, and, yeah. and your employers should be like if they were human, if they put the human part mm. in over their their over the the corporate side, yep. you should embrace those moments. You don't you don't live to work. Mm. You work. No, is that right? You don't live. To yeah, work. you don't live to work. You work to live. You work. To but live. that that's the other issue too. Is that again? I think so many people are so self centric. So that particular boss, I know very self-centric person. So they'll get, they'll extract whatever they can out of the people who work for them because that benefits them the most. Mm. And, and the fact that, like you were saying, they couldn't understand that giving you one weekend off to go and do this thing would have been a great experience for you that would have perked you up, that would have given you more yeah. energy, that would have given you, like you're in sales, gives you a great story to tell to you, oh, talk to your customers yes. about. Yeah, You know, like it's, it's so short-sighted. And any, any bosses that are out there, like, treat your, your, your people like human beings. Like, we're all human beings. We all like to do different things, have fun. You actually need to embrace that because then if your people are happy, we all know happy people, they actually get you better results. They'll, yeah. they'll put more effort in because they're, ha- they're walking into the door with a smile on their face every single day. Whereas if you've got a team of people who are walking through the, the door with their shits because they know that you're just going to belt them until you... That they extract every last essence of your being out of you, you don't want to be there, so you're not you're not going to put the effort in. And if you're a boss that can't rely, that has to rely solely on one person mm. for one day, you can't do it without that person. Then you haven't done your job properly. Yeah, that's right. Your business probably needs some work. Yeah, mm. yeah. You need to build the team up. Yeah. So that was that is a massive 
a massive, massive, massive takeaway from mm. yes, yesterday in particular. Yeah. And I know it's something that we talk about, but I don't think we don't talk about it with enough force. Mm. And I think it's one of those things too, where the, there, there, there is a social stigma attached to, no, just slog it out, just slog it out. And especially for men, I think it's, I think it's yeah. more on, on, on men. Just work your ass off. Work, 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 work. Oh, why aren't you at work? Oh, what job are you going to get? Mm. You, you know, you've, you've had it heaps. Everyone's yeah. like, when are you going back into the workforce? Mm. It's it's a stigma we actually need to remove when you hear that 3,000 people a year. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think the work, the work thing is definitely for men, but I think it's way harder these days on women again because now women are being expected to do everything. Yeah. So, you know, you've got... You got these traditional gender roles in mind, right? Which we're, we're we're trying to blow up at the moment as a society. But the only traditional gender role that a man's getting blown up is that where we shouldn't be going to work every day and just supporting the family because that was that's old school. So now I think you're seeing men more and more these days being involved with the kids, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, it's really really good. But women, on the other hand, are being expected to literally do everything. Yeah. So mummy guilt's a real you. thing. Yeah. Right, mummy guilt is a real thing. When, when Amanda went back to work, she felt it just like every other woman feels it when they go back to work. They feel like they're doing the wrong thing by their kids, and they feel like people are judging them for doing that. Mm. And but obviously, for us, it was actually the right decision for our family. It makes sense. We earn the same money, but she gets thirteen weeks a year off, and I got no time off. Yeah. So what makes more sense? She chose to do that. So so we've done that, and it's been great for us. Mm. But it's a massive sacrifice for her because I get to stay home and hang out with the kid all day. Yeah, She doesn't get to do that. So now she's making the sacrifice that so many men have made over over history and so many women are doing now. But the problem is that there's, there's now an expectation on women to be the best mother in the world, to be the best wife in the world, to have the cleanest house in the world, to have the strongest career that you can have. Mm. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah. And again, this is what I get back to about living your life the way that you want to live it because that social expectation is so heavy on some people that they are hating their lives because they're working so hard to keep up appearances to keep other people happy. Yeah, and like you said before, they don't give a shit. No. And it means nothing. And social that social presence doesn't pay you anything, doesn't help you when yep. the chips are down. Yeah. So, yeah, forget that. Just do what's what's best, best yeah. for you. And. And you might be giving away money. I spoke to someone during the week who's giving up a high-paying job mm-hmm. to go on, to go into a job that is less paying but far less stress, mm. and he's worried about it. And I'm telling him that you're not like you'll need this reset. You know, mm-hmm. give yourself three months in that, and your brain will start to think, oh, like now I can enjoy this time. Yep. Now I can do this. Now I can build this. Now I've been wanting to do that for mm. ages. That money doesn't matter. No. The money because you can make the money work. Hmm. So you'll adapt to it. Yeah. Like we've adapted to it. Obviously we've gone from being a double income, no kids household to a single income, one child household. Yeah. And well, I was one of those people who at the beginning was like, cause everyone goes, Oh, kids are so expensive. I'm like, nah, they're not that expensive. And we've been super fortunate in that because so many of our friends have had kids who are a little bit older than eight is, you know, it's so good with, you know, the, the community handing around like hand me down sure. clothes. And that's a big cost for a lot of people that, like, I know some people who buy their kids, like, the best clothes. They're in them for two months, yeah. and then they grow out of them, you yeah. know? Hand-me-downs are great, so we're handing all that stuff. Mm. That's really, really good. But Nate loves to drink milk. 
So his formula is like somewhere between $25 and $30 a can, and he'll go through like a can a week, which is an extra cost, which is just lumped on. And then if you're talking nappies or whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's an extra cost that's built in there. So they can be a little bit expensive, but we've gone from... That's a bottle of Jameson. Just take the Jameson away and then... Well, yeah, that's what I've done, really. So, uh, yeah. But there's an example. That's, that's, a, that's a, like a macro example of, yeah. of how, how you just... You just adapt. To you just things. adapt. Human beings adapt. Like we are, we have always adapted to whatever the circumstance we're in. But you can, I think the real, and that was the biggest takeaway for me from from the last week, has been take a step back and go, am I doing the things that I want to do for me and for my family? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing things for other people? And I think that because I've always been not anti-social, but I'm probably a little bit anti-social compliance, Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, and look, it's not always a good thing, um, but oftentimes I, I do naturally do the opposite of what everyone else is doing just because yeah. I'm stubborn a yeah. lot of the time. Um, but I do really feel like now, because me making that decision to get out of work was a big deal for me. I've never done it before. Mm. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, no looking back. You know, like I... <laughs> I was the thing I was telling you during the week. I've forgotten how much I like climbing stuff. Yeah. Like I used to work at a high ropes course for five years. I literally climbed trees and went down flying foxes and stuff every day for five years. And I haven't done it for over 10 years now. So now that Nate's old enough to go to playgrounds and stuff, I'm having a ball, like climbing around on playgrounds and shit, like being a kid again. Yeah. And that's that's really... value in that. Oh, it's huge value in that. I'm happy. I love it. Society doesn't put any value on it. Yeah. But but, uh, family-wise... Yep. There's nothing more powerful than that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad that I've had this time with Nate because if I was a typical car industry dad, I'd have zero connection with my son because I would have been leaving for work before he's awake in the morning and I'd be getting home after he's already gone to bed at night. I'd spend Sundays with him and that's it. Yeah. And I'm so fortunate to be in a position where I've got a relationship with my son that I do because, yeah, it's, you know, I can see why... I can see why potentially some parents feel like they're not getting the the goodness out of the parenting experience and they might just feel like they're just a, a paycheck because that's all they're really sure. doing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, take a, take a step back from your life. Make sure that you're doing things that are right for you and that are making you happy, not doing the things that you think are going to make people on the internet you've never met before happy. Yeah. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there. For sure. Thanks very much for joining us, guys, and we'll see you next RDA. Bye.